After a 2021 marked by great performances in friendlies and a disappointing Olympics, how is one to choose the player of the year in U.S. women's soccer? Steph Young is here to talk it out. But first, your TV guide for today. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, December 16th. Premier League festive fixtures are in full swing. We have three on this lovely Thursday. Leicester vs. Tottenham at 2.30 p.m. on Peacock. Chelsea vs. Everton at 2.45 p.m. That's on NBCSN. And Liverpool vs. Newcastle is at 3 p.m. on Peacock. All those times are Eastern. As if that wasn't enough, there's also Women's Champions League action. Our recommendation is to tune in for Wolfsburg vs. Chelsea at 3 p.m. Eastern on DAZN via YouTube. That's available for free. And it's a big game for Emma Hayes' side. Charlotte Harper was on the show earlier this week explaining why. There are also some Copa Italia games at noon and 3 on a Paramount Plus, and some Copa del Rey games on ESPN Plus starting at 1, 2, and 3 p.m. Eastern. Steph Young, welcome back to the show. You recently wrote a piece for The Athletic running through the candidates for the U.S. Soccer Women's Player of the Year. And uh, you brought up an interesting point, which is that it can be hard to choose a player of the year in a year that was uncharacteristically uh, underwhelming, let's say, uh, considering their uh, not-so-great finish in the Olympics. Still, I'd like to go one by one through these candidates, and we should probably start with the player you think will win it, Carly Lloyd. Why do you think she'll win it, and how much does maybe nostalgia have to do with it, considering that she is recently retired? I think that the retirement bump is a real one. She was front and center for a lot. She played a lot of minutes, and I don't want to take away from the quality of those minutes. She was still, you know, um, defying <laughs> any any attempt to be like, oh, you're older. How are you still playing? And she was like, that is irrelevant. And it pretty much was. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how brains work, right? The voters, sure. they might be a lot of them on the more technical side among coaches and other players and stuff. But this this year in particular, trying to reach back into the depths of January, February, March 2021, I nearly said 2020. See, like that's yeah, exactly. how bad it was. <laughs> like you're asking people to like take into account the whole year as opposed to maybe from the Olympics on in their minds. I think that is just kind of human nature, and I can't really blame anybody for it. My brain works the same way, too. So, yeah, I think combined with she did score a goal, she did get assists, and she was front and center. So that'll probably bump her to the top for voters. Um, I am actually now realizing as I'm talking to you, I have no recollection of what the early part of this year was like for the U.S. Women's National Team. Carly Lloyd seemed to be a, an ever-present figure before and after the Olympics. Um, so you're, you're basically saying that her kind of like consistency over time in 2021 is going to be the thing that, that wins out over, over others? Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if Carly Lloyd is pretty much the odds-on favorite to win it, uh, both based on performance and based on, let's say, legacy instead of nostalgia, that's maybe a kinder way to put it. Um, you name two other players that should win it or at least have very, very good cases uh, alongside Carly Lloyd. One of them is a goalkeeper, Alyssa Nair. Explain. Yeah. Um, I think Alyssa Nair, like 
every other national team player in the Olympics might have had a shaky moment or two. The problem is when you're a goalkeeper, if you have one shaky moment, it's not something you can play off and it kind of evens out over the course of 90. Like you're automatically the clown, right? Which is really unfair. And then she kind of did wipe it out anyway with a bunch of massive penalty saves. It was like the Olympics of penalties. I remember sitting through that and game after game would be decided on penalties. And I'd be like, why is this happening again? Um, Yeah. And she kind of up until her injury was just like, mistakes don't matter. We just got to keep living in the moment. And she did that. And so I thought that was, you know, I, I, it's, it's nothing against, you know, obviously she got injured and then France had to step in and I, I don't want to take away and be like, Oh, if Alyssa Nair hadn't been injured, then they obviously would have won because I think Franch is a great keeper. Um, But that kind of disruption does mess with people mentally. And they already were mentally looking not great. Something was wrong. The players were all like, yeah, we know something's wrong and we're talking about it. So, yeah, I think if she had stayed in and kept up with that mentality, things might have looked different. Who knows? So I, I really think that that, unfortunately, it also kept her out of the rest of club play. And I think okay. she would have been instrumental for the Chicago Red Stars as well. It's so hard to say. I know it's not great to say vote for someone based on what could have been, which is kind of what it <laughs> sounds like I'm saying. But if we're if we're going to weight Olympic performance heavily here, then I think hers was a good one. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, of all the nominees uh, for the award, she played the fewest games, uh, 14 um, but kept a 0.53 goals against average in those 14 games, which is pretty good. Uh, that's just with you with the U.S. national team, mm-hmm. uh, by the way. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more um the other uh player you mentioned that you know has a really really strong case for player of the year is the player that's taking over kyle lloyd's number the number 10 with the national team lindsey haran uh why do you think that she deserves i guess uh top consideration uh for this for this award I think just because she was the most useful person on the list, which is kind of a rough way to put it, but it was a rough year. Once again, if we're going to weight the Olympics heavily, then unfortunately that weights against some of these players, all of them, honestly. (laughs) It was a a team-wide dysfunction, so let's not single out any one person. And at the same time, I feel like Haran carried a lot more of the weight just due to her positional responsibilities. That's, um, you know, she's asked to be a, a real central piece, figuratively and literally, for the team. And when she's good, you know, she can carry the team on her back. And when she's bad, they it they have to do a lot more to compensate for that. And I think she was more good than she was bad. So yeah. faint praise. Well, I mean, she did play the most minutes of anybody uh, that's that's nominated for this award with uh, just over seventeen hundred. Um, and the joint most games with uh, 22. So she was certainly being used a lot. Um, the last two names are names that a lot of people know. They're stars, they're incredible players, but maybe not so high in the running 
for this award as you uh, as you kind of lay it out in the piece. Uh, Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapinoe, uh, why why do you think that you know they maybe are a little bit farther down the possibility list in 2021 for this particular award? Um, maybe the stats don't quite bear it out. I mean, you see Megan Rapinoe sitting there with you know quite a lot of goals in her pocket as well. Yeah. Um, but they they just felt shakier overall than sure. Lindsay Horan. Um, Rose in particular, I think she's another player, like the highs are very high, but when, when she's off, it's like, ooh, you know, um, partially because we do have such high expectations for Rose Lavelle. I think she carries a lot of weight there, uh, as well, and Megan Rapinoe as well, particularly, you know, I was kind of researching before this and looking at the stuff that we had written ahead of the Olympics and you know, I certainly placed a lot of weight on Megan Rapinoe on and off the field where we talked about how um, she's one of the players who you know how she reacts to pressure, um, except this is the one time no one could figure out why the team was reacting this way to pressure. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the two of them overall had kind of a, a shakier presence for country and kind of for club. Well, it'll be inter- interesting to see uh, who ends up winning this award. Steph Yang, thank you so much for uh, breaking it down for us. Listeners, you can read the full breakdown with a little bit more detailed uh, reasoning and stats and all sorts of fun stuff on The Athletic. It'll be linked in the show notes as well. Uh, Steph, uh, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.